0: In this episode, my guest is my colleague, Eileen Trice. Eileen has been a leader within the consumer care community for over 30 years, spanning across five different CPG, count them five, different consumer product goods organizations, most recently at Byersdorf, You know them as the makers of Aquaphor and Nivea and Eucerin and also Coppertone where she is the Manager of Consumer Relations. And she also spent time working at Nestle Waters, Dannon, Pepsi, and General Foods, which was the precursor to Kraft. Eileen has also been very active in the SOCAP community. That's the Society of Consumer Affairs Professionals. She has served on a variety of committees, sharing her talent and time, including the Education Committee, the Member Services Committee, and the Publications Committee. So welcome, Eileen. So happy to have you on the
1: podcast today. Yeah, welcome. I, I'm, I'm happy to be here, Denise. Thanks so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh! My pleasure.
0: You know the, what's interesting to me about your career? Well, there's so much. You know, the first thing that comes to mind as I was like listing off your uh, CPG companies is a variety. If not all of them are really embedded in food and beverage, and now you're over in the H. What do they call that? The health and beauty category. Yeah, health care.
1: H. You know, health and health and beauty
0: primarily. Yeah. Um, now you're over there in a different industry. You've also been leading these organizations um, with a lot of hybrid models, I'll call them. You know, as we were chatting, that it's not one size fits all, yeah, and so sometimes you need to be nimble. You need to be scrappy, or you need to work to get the best care for the consumer and your internal clients in different ways. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about each one of those sort of hybrid models as far as your reporting, your reporting responsibilities goes, as well as the um, frontline rep. So let's let's go to the um, the, f- the first piece with you now working in the health and beauty and skincare industry. What, what have you found that was uh, similar about consumer care, either with the consumers or behind the scenes process and procedures versus,
1: say, food and beverage? Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Denise, because this was the first time I moved out of food and beverage Uh, For quick background, my college degree is in nutrition, so I always felt very much at home with food and beverage companies and spent 16 years at Dan and I kind of consider that my baby. So it's a ways back, but always really enjoyed that. But I think what makes the the transition to skincare very easy is uh, food and beverage and skincare products are both very personal. You know, when you think about it, right, something's going in your body or on your body. And so I have found that um, I like the high-touch nature of uh, the the products, and then I find the consumers quite similar. And even uh, certain protocols that companies need when they're in the CPG space around if a consumer perceives your product might have caused an illness or a reaction, I found great commonality in terms of that protocol connected to questions to ask the consumer when to retrieve the sample if you if you retrieve it or not and you know even protocols around reimbursement and we work with an outside insurance company where we evaluate whether we might pay a given consumer's medical bills so all of that felt uh, very comfortable and, and something I really enjoy I' passion around and it's interesting because when I was last job hunting <clears throat> opportunities came up with like electronic goods and i thought oh it's you i love consumer care and i could imagine doing it for any company but i really enjoyed the more personal product that's you know something in or on your body so hope that helps yeah
0: absolutely especially with your major and uh no it, it makes sense i think it's also nice that you know um it's something that for me food and beverage is something probably there's a product or a product line that I've personally used and that I think is important that you can relate to. Yeah. I'm not saying that we all don't have electronics, let's just say uh working for electronics goods, but um it, you're it's probably just a little bit more relevant to your to my day-to-day.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a good point cuz when we um when we used to look for representatives at Danon, uh, we always wanted to um I mean, it wasn't mandatory, but we were hoping for consumers that, you know, representatives that consumed yogurt or liked it um, always seemed a little funny fit if the person didn't use the product at all, you know? Right.
0: Not to say they couldn't be a
1: good brand ambassador, but uh, Uh, it comes more more, more to the enthusiasm and the conveyance of what you like as part of a conversation with a consumer, comes much more naturally if it's a genuine, you know, enjoyment of the product and, and genuine recommendations. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Got it. As promised, let's talk a little bit about the different hybrid models that you've worked with in terms of, you know, I call them brand ambassadors, but your frontline reps, um, you've worked with in-house call centers, like you're currently at buyer's store, if I believe, as well as third-party vendors um, as your uh, call centers or or BPOs. Can you talk a little bit about the different models and anything else you'd like to share with the audience on, yeah, on the tour?
1: Sure. sure. Well, co- being completely candid in some of my past companies, um, I walked into a company where we were already outsourced and it was myself and an internal employee managing the success of the outsourcer in serving the consumers. And um, You know, I like that model, but one of the things that I would say I pride myself on early in my career is making sure we have the best partner company. Um, You know, I always felt fairly strongly it was ideal, um, probably more so pre-COVID, but where you could get out to your call center along with your brand managers to train the representatives. You know, make it a big dog and pony show, complete with product samples, an opportunity to taste, usually some fun gift items with the logo of the brand. So proximity was always really important in making that relationship shine. So in my career, while outsourcing is sometimes done for cost reasons, my models were more about making whatever that frontline rep is successful. So having a program with marketing to ensure those team members are trained. The other thing I'll comment on is when you're outsourced, something that I appreciate now that I'm insourced, I think you have a little bit greater expertise in systems and IT uh, with the outsource partner versus maybe your internal IT department. So I think that can be a little bit of a challenge, like my current Company has very lean resources in technology and uh, systems. So uh, that became, you know, just an interesting area. And so in my role, it's more of a hybrid where I have internal representatives. And when our company acquired Coppertone in 2019, we handled them during the slow season, but by the first high volume season, I had developed a partnership with an outsourced company very close by, already was handling um, our brand in Canada. And it's been a really nice partnership for ensuring the success of Coppertone Consumer Contact. So right now, it's interesting to come through my career where it's usually been in-house or ex, you know, external. Now I have this where I'm managing internal team as well as external team, but it's working quite well.
0: Excellent. Sounds like never a dull moment. Right. (laughs) Okay. So um, sticking with the hybrid model and that whole one size doesn't fit all, which I think is is the heart of some of our conversation here is, is um, also data reporting. So that is an area that I know you have a lot of passion for, as do I. Um, And my understanding is currently these are some of your core responsibilities Although in other, other organizations you've been to, you've had some other models um, in order to bring back that feedback to your internal mm-hmm. partners. Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about those different models for reporting? Sure. Please.
1: In uh, some of the past places I've worked, uh, we had a small internal team, but then we had a partnership with a SOCAPR who had gone out and become a reporting consultant, two different individuals who Really partnered closely with me to help me figure out what data marketing needs from the consumer feedback as well as quality. And I think the most critical aspect of that is also just making sure you're in line with the person by keeping them up to speed in terms of what products are launching, uh, what products are being changed, so that they can really hone in on that information and tease out the insights. So that's been always a way to ensure success. And as well, if you have, you know, certain targets that your company is looking for in terms of complaint rates, looping them in, um, I think that's always critical. And then in my current company, um, it's a different situation. We're very lean. So it is part of, as you noted, part of my responsibilities. And I focus the reporting very much on marketing insights as opposed to nothing wrong with this, but, you know, uh, a data dump of, you know, contact volume each month is less important to me right now. And what I'm trying to do is use a reporting that's very um, specific to something the marketers might find useful. In other words, um, sharing with them suggestions that are coming out for their brands um, if a new product launches, calculating a complaint to praise ratio for the launch after you know, like a six month window, and trying to benchmark that against other product launches. Other times, it can just be as simply as uh, sharing good news. Like, what brand manager doesn't like to hear really nice praise? Like, we've uh, we launched a breathable lotion uh, last year, and the The technology behind it makes it a very uh, lightweight lotion. And it's amazing the verbatim comments from consumers and how well we've achieved what the product was supposed to achieve. You know, you have people saying, "Um, I think I I might have died and gone to heaven because of your breathable lotion. So things like that, where we really know we've achieved success is great. Another, Another thing I've done is something where it's like, what are you hearing about skincare trends in our feedback on our brand? So um, thus far, this approach has worked pretty well. I've gotten good feedback from the brand managers. So we, we feel like we're going to continue this approach. It's not to say mm-hmm. we're not benchmarking our complaint categories, but our quality assurance team is doing a very nice job of that, of comparing the complaint levels versus the target and organizing team discussions to fix anything that's trending. So I I really like that. It's really working well. Yeah. So
0: that partnership kind of with quality allows you to, you know, free up a little bit to focus on some of these more like hot topics, I'll call them, or interesting topics. It's pretty, it's interesting. And you got to work with what you got. Yeah. Um, And, um, you know, it sounds valuable to me. Now, where are these ideas coming from? Is it more like the marketers are saying, hey, tell me about this? Or is it something, you know, on your teams that you or your teams and coming up with these? Yeah,
1: great question. Fascinating topics. So I don't think I've mentioned, I have an incredibly tenured team at Byersdorf with representatives, most of whom have been there, and I'm not kidding, 17 to 24 years. And so I actually Mm. like to pick their brains for you know, on a very grassroots level, what are you really hearing right now that might be of interest? I also report into a really great person who heads marketing research. So sometimes there's topics that they're exploring through focus groups that would, might carry over to consumer feedback. So I'm, I'm looking for suggestions from her and her team. And so far, um, between those two, uh, we're, we're getting enough content. And as a you know, I I think, too, what will happen is there'll be categories that I just repeat. I think it's always useful to look at what suggestions consumers are making. So I did that last year, but I think I'll do that same topic in 2021.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, you know, and then you've got, at least if it's anything about, like, at least if it's anything like my organizations, you also have marketing, you know, turnover or more rotation to different brands so it's almost like hey it's new news to them yeah but um yeah so there's always that to think about For sure too. Um, but really <laughs> I, I like that approach and you're and you're working with what you got yeah. you're being nimble and novel i i feel um and actually that was going to be my next question what are some of the business questions you get but it's it's more um along the lines of you posing the business questions and sending that back to marketing. Which but
1: I do ask brand managers to give input. And, um, you know, um, there are times where I'm doing a lot of ad hoc reporting as well. So people sure. will say, can you run me an extract of packaging complaints on this product line and send it to me monthly if there's an issue, a hot topic um, there's usually an issue management team, and I'll run the data as part of that team. So other uses of the data as well. Okay. Thank you for
0: that. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Well, we're getting to the final third, final half here. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, so we're going to switch uh, switch the gears a little bit here. Um, I call these rapid fire rounds. Of questions, but my audience knows it's never rapid fire, <laughs> <laughs> but it will just be a battery of questions. Um, so here we go. You mentioned which function you report to, which, good for you, it's market research, mm-hmm. um, because that does kind of help support, um, you know, that sort of that reporting piece um, that you had just chatted with us about. How many contacts a year do you support? Round figures. Yeah,
1: we're on the smaller side, about 41,000.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. We covered the in-source or
0: outsource. Uh, okay. How many frontline reps do you have on your team?
1: Yep. We have uh, five individuals internally. Two of them are senior reps, but they are on the phone still, even though they're senior reps, but I try and pull them off more regularly for meetings and other uh, activities, and then three regular representatives. And then at our outsourcer, depending on the season, because you might imagine a Coppertone being a sunscreen, uh, the high volume is concentrated in the summer. Although there are some other spikes for cruises and when people travel in January, but, you know, with COVID, some of that's all Mm. whack, but we'll we'll have any from (laughs) two to four. Yeah. Representatives, and it's a blended team across the U.S. and Canada at the outsourcer. Um, and this idea of training and visiting with that team is a little bit out of whack because of COVID, but we try and get them sure. in the loop send them product samples still, but it's just not that same in-person touch that I enjoyed so much in the past. Yeah,
0: just building on that, it's nice when you've got, you know, sort of ambient products like skincare that doesn't need refrigeration or freezing <laughs> True. Uh, True, that you can send that. Yeah. Send that along regardless of the situation at, at minimal cost, yeah. I guess. Um, so it sounds like, uh, let's see, there are probably no other corporate folks on your, on your team. It's not, yourself, not on my team. Your, yeah. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. How are you setting up your social media care?
1: So currently um True social media, like, say, responding to Facebook posts, Instagram, we have an agency partner that's very robust, and they, uh, they came on board in January to replace uh, a more fragmented approach. And we, in consumer relations, since we're the most well-educated on really answering inquiries about products, um, as well as complaints, we give them input. We have an FAQ. But we also want to ensure that any time we need to go beyond that, it's a collaboration between consumer relations and my team. And then in addition to things like Facebook, my team is very active in responding to low star ratings. So we do just one and two star currently because of workload. And we do, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but ask Amazon, ask Target, ask Walmart. So we're responding to the brand questions that come in through those channels. Um, I think that kind of covers uh, what we're doing currently.
0: Okay. I'm going to just probe a little bit on those ratings and reviews. Is that through another tool or going right out natively?
1: It's through Bizarre Voice and another tool that's less well-known in the United States called Yotpo, kind of a very funny name. Um, but okay. are um, headquartered in Germany, my, my parent company. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we're using tools that are less familiar to U.S. companies. Um, so we have implemented Yachtvo for for Coppertone, um, but functions mm-hmm. similarly to Bizarre Voice.
0: I'm familiar with Bizarre Voice. Would you mind
1: spelling for the audience that other company? Yeah, sure. Y as in yellow, o T-P-O, Po. I have no idea why they have that
0: name. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah. All right. But they're helping you out. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> that's right. All right. Um, how about your reporting technology tools? Or are you getting most of all your needs out of your CRM, which I forgot to ask you what you're, what's your CRM? Yeah.
1: Um, so we're
0: using so uh, Wilkie.
1: Um, we have for, for many years, and we're very happy with it. Um, which is now part of Astute, which has now been renamed Amplify. Um, But we do get um, most of the data out of there. We do have also a global reporting tool that is fed with our data. Um, But we're using, you know, basically extract files from the Wilkie tool, as well as a tool that's more dashboard-like in Wilkie called Insight, I-N-C-I-T-E. So, so far, that's all worked fairly well for us.
0: Are you finding yourself doing um, pivot tables in Excel or does it come out of some of these Wookiee tools?
1: Well, the, the
0: in a way tool makes to it very
1: it. visual, but um, sometimes I do like to simply do it in Excel, um, you know, because sometimes it's just as easy to take a data extract and build a pivot table and move the data around there. So a little bit of both um, probably leaning more on the Excel in general terms. Got it. Got it.
0: Okay. Woo. <laughs> Rapid fire round is done, but thank you for going through that. I mean, really what I'm trying to do is just really kind of like level set everyone on your organization and technology. I think that's a great way for yeah. Companies to understand you in this conversation, as well as to benchmark a little, yeah, little bit, yeah. which we all love. All right. Um, again, shifting gears, tell me a little bit about a volunteer group that maybe you'd like to give a shout out to. It, it could be a group that you volunteered at before, or maybe you support them in in other ways.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, obviously, COVID, as everyone knows, has really increased the amount of people that need to get food assistance through many different channels and communities across the country. So one of the organizations that I like to promote is uh, Feeding America. And um, I'm not actively volunteering right now. I have, in many companies that I've worked for, had the opportunity as part of employee volunteerism, to go frequently to food banks. Um, It could be something at a church. It could be a a more major community food bank. Um, So, you know, it can be anything from sorting food on the shelf to make sure it's not expired or literally in a kitchen serving sandwiches to people coming by the window as part of a, you know, community outreach. So always enjoy that. And when I worked at Nestle Waters, we even had a chance to help in a cooperative farm that was in the city of Stanford. And it was developed to give local residents a better opportunity to get really fresh produce. So um, I think it's a nice you know, marriage for me with my food and nutrition background and just a cause that I care about, uh, just making sure people you know, have food resources. Yeah.
0: Love that Eileen, thank you, thank you for sharing. Um, would you be able to share some contact information if people wanted to learn more?
1: Sure. I mean, it's as basic as uh, going to Feeding America, all strung together, one word dot org, and um, okay. uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure they can always use uh, just donations. You know, this about this times, and and it's still ongoing. I'd say the need. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, I know you got to get back to to your
0: to your life over here. And I really appreciate you taking the time um, to chat with me. Thanks again, Eileen. If you've learned even a kernel of an idea or was inspired by this episode, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast on Apple Podcast and follow the My Curious Colleague page on LinkedIn. Be sure to share out the hashtag. CPGCX because CPGCX really and truly rocks. Ciao. You have been listening to the My Curious Colleague podcast with Denise
1: Veneering. Thank you for your time.